Are you here? Yep, you're here. So let's get this thing going, baby. It's the Paul Leslie Hour. Welcome to it. We've got yet another classic interview from the radio archives. Now your host, Paul Edward Leslie, had the chance to interview the band ALO. And then ALO member Zach Gill released his debut solo record, Zach Gill's Stuff. Paul, of course, wanted to get Zach on solo. Zach Gill is known to a lot of people for his work with the band ALO, but also as a longtime member of Jack Johnson's band. Zach's a seriously talented pianist, accordionist, singer, and songwriter. And we're always trying to get more and more independent content like this available to anyone who wants to listen. Hey, you can support independent media and the spoken word. Simply visit www.thepaulleslie.com slash support. And guess what? We thank every listener and every contributor. You're going to love hearing from Brushfire Records record artist, Zach Gill. So let's go ahead and do that. It is with great pleasure for the second time that we're interviewing Mr. Zach Gill. Zach Gill is a solo artist. He's also a member of ALO, the Animal Liberation Orchestra, and the piano player in Jack Johnson's band. So once again, thank you very much for making the time to do this. Of course. Thank you for having me. The last time we did an interview, we were at ALO, so we didn't really get a chance to go too deep. So I was hoping you could tell us about your musical beginnings. What kind of music do you remember here and around the house? Both my parents were musicians to a certain extent, so there was always a lot of music around the house. But my first thing I really remember was going to a Kenny Rogers concert, and I remember that quite well. I was really, I was maybe five. I liked Kenny Rogers a lot. I liked his big, big bushy beard, and I liked the, the song The Gambler. So tell us about your grandmother, Mabel. Oh, yeah, Mabel. Well, Mabel uh, still is a fantastic pianist. She played all her life, really, for the almost her life, and she's in her 90s now, and uh, she was the church organist at her uh, church for a good uh, 60 years, and she also played accordion. She gave me my first accordion. She always encouraged music. She got my father playing piano and guitar. My mother would sing. I had a relatively musical family. It was definitely something that was considered a good thing to do in my family. Some kids' music's not an option. Music was always encouraged in my household. Very good. Zach, was there ever a time in your life where you specifically remember, okay, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to be a musician. Yeah, no, I had a real clear kind of moment like that, actually. I was maybe fourth grade, I think, and I went to a Huey Lewis in the News concert with my mom. And I remember thinking afterwards, kind of thinking to myself that that's what I wanted to do. Yeah, I was pretty young, and then I kind of, you know, proceeded to do it, more or less. And uh, I mean, as much as you can in high school. But I, I had a real, like, I remember thinking that oh, it would be fun to be a, a rock star. And then I remember when I got to college, I thought, well, I don't want to be a rock star at all. I want to be a musician. And I kind of differentiated in my mind on some level as to what that would mean. Well, that's intriguing. What what was the difference between the two? One kind of seemed to have a little bit more merit, at least in my mind. And also, I don't think I was maybe confident enough 
well, you know, it's like I grew up in the 80s and seeing a lot of the music that was out there, you know, a lot of like metal bands with really charismatic lead singers kind of going around in leather pants. And I remember thinking like, gosh, I really want to be a, a musician, but I, I, is that what you have to do to sort of make it? And I remember thinking, well, maybe I could be like one of the guys in the back or how will I work this out? And then I was I was just lucky enough that I had a lot of different musical opportunities open up to me. And so I kind of saw music as more of a part of a necessity for the community, the human community, rather than just something that was, you know, kind of strictly for, you know, sort of to put up on a pedestal and look at. I kind of saw it as more I'm like, oh, look at, you know, at these weddings and bar mitzvahs, there's always bands. And those are really cool. Those guys are good. And, and seeing, you know, kind of learning more about what it meant to be a musician as opposed to just straight up performer. And then maybe part of that was, you know, even knowing my grandmother, you know, she was a, a church organist and she was an amazing organist. That was her gig. You know, there wasn't another, there wasn't, you know, an MTV or anything like that. It was just playing music for her community. So tell us about meeting Dan and Steve, Dan Lebowitz and Steve Adams. Well, that happened when we were pretty young. I knew Steve, boy, from when I was like, you know, seven years old. We met in elementary school and then I met Dan in junior high. And I think we kind of all had the same idea. I mean, I think, you know, a lot of kids, and you're kind of trying to find out who you are, there's a couple of different ways you can go. And I think we all kind of saw like, ah, you know, if we could be in a band, that would be a pretty cool thing. So we kind of all took that and we've been in a band ever since. Sounds like you guys are going to be, along with Dave, of course, lifelong friends. Yeah, I think so. You know, I, I just got off the phone with Steve. I mean, we always have our things we argue about, but uh, yeah, I think I think we already are lifelong friends. I, I don't think that's going to ever ever end. It's sometimes hard for a musician to put this into words, but if you could, what is it that you like about music? Well, you know, it's something, something I've been doing for a long time. You know, I, I usually play so much music and I'm working on stuff all the time. Sometimes commercial music, some of that stuff with Jack or with ALO or my songs I've written or, you know, I've been working on some kids' music lately and and I'm always working on it. And so there's part of it that's, you know, maybe it's become, at this point, it's become a habit. It's just what I do. But I'll tell you, like, I kind of took a couple of days off from it, and I was reading, and I was kind of exercising more. And this morning, I uh, got up really early, and I played piano and sang. And it just made me so happy to do it. So I think that uh, that's why I started and why I keep doing it. Sometimes I forget that, but it just it just brings me a lot of joy. Then the more I do it, then the better it gets, and that makes me happy. And it's just kind of like a cyclical joy thing. The more I learn about it, I just, I'm still hooked by it. It's like I'm fascinated by the trends, by the way it changes. I'm fascinated by the old stuff and by the new stuff. Like a puzzle that uh, can never truly be solved is music. Yeah, no, yeah. I mean, it's as vast and as deep as, as humanity. And it's something that's developed with humans. The music that we listen to, I mean, it does things to us. Very true. I wanted to talk a little bit about your solo album, Zach Gill's Stuff, on Brushfire right. Records. I was hoping you could tell us, what made you decide to want to branch away from ALO on this project or Jack Johnson and do something on your own? It had been something that I'd been feeling for a long time. I mean, really, years and years, you know, I think you, whenever you're in any kind of collaborative situation, you know, you kind of always ask yourself, how would I do it if there was nobody else here? 
So I just asked myself that enough times, and I thought it was maybe time to check out what I would do when uh, left to my own vices. Because, I mean, you get in a band or any kind of musical relationship, you know, at some point, again, a lot of it becomes habitual, but you kind of have a way that things start unfolding, and, and that way can be really great. And then sometimes you can say, I think there could be other possibilities here that I can't quite seem to figure out how to explore in this context. So let's just open up a new context. And that's one of the neat things about music. You know, it, it is kind of endless, you know, you just change the context a little bit and suddenly got you got a whole nother deal. Do you have a favorite song on the album? Well, I'll tell you, I have a few that are pretty fun to play, but I really enjoy the one. There's one on there about my daughter called Watch Him Grow. And I like that song a lot. Another one called Bettina. I like playing that one a lot. I actually really love my album. I mean, I guess you should if you <laughs> it's your album, but but I enjoy playing all the songs. When somebody listens to the album, or maybe when they hear you play someplace, what is it that you hope that the listener gets out of the experience? I hope they find it pleasant. I hope they take a little piece of it and kind of put it in their own lives, and it makes them happy. Wow, very good answer. I have to ask, what is it that you think that if you could put it into words or if you could pinpoint, why do you think it is that his music has spread so far and so many people get so much out of it? I've wondered many times. You know, I think it has something to do with it's got a real natural quality to it that I think it doesn't force itself on people, you know? I think it definitely has a real kind of hypnotic wave-like quality to it that I think just is in there from the way... Jack was raised and the way he grew up. It's in that music. It's in his, the way he spends his guitar. And I think that it's uh, very hypnotic. And then I think that uh, it's just got a lot of like real life in it. You know, there's some performers, I think you listen to them and you kind of feel like afterwards you're friends with them. You get a lot of that with Jack. What is it like when you're playing all of these venues where there's like, I got the chance to see you guys play from the side stage and just as somebody watching, it's incredible to look out and see all those people and so many people that have this, they have a positive vibe coming from them. So I want to know, what is it like for you, Zach Gill, when you go out on stage and you look out at, and there's a literal sea of people? Definitely it's really fun. <laughs> in, a, in a nutshell, it's a lot of fun. You know, I mean, sometimes, you know, it's like I go out there and it feels like, literally, it feels like kind of looking at something like when you look at a mountain or the ocean, you look at a pretty picture where you just kind of see something that's really striking. You know, there's times where the, the audience looks so beautiful as a mass of people, uh, kind of all these, like all these little molecules kind of jumping together. And it's really quite beautiful and kind of uh, makes you feel those sort of moments of divinity, you know, sort of like when you look at an ocean or something, just like, wow, how did this come to be, you know? Uh, that happens to me sometimes. And then, and then sometimes I just think, how did I, how did I get up here? <laughs> yeah, definitely. <laughs> I wanted to ask about one of the songs on Stuff. There's one on there called Poseidon's Naval. Oh, yeah. Tell us about writing that song. Well, Poseidon's Naval was a voyage, a mind void by the ocean. I kind of actually wrote it. It was a poem that I wrote a long time ago, maybe 10 years ago. And kind of as I was going through the songs for my album, you know, I got a lot of songs that just kind of, I tend to write a lot. And so a lot of times songs will 
stood around for years and years, you know, that between, you know, everybody in ALO, right? So there's only room for so many songs on an album. You know, over the years, you know, you start amassing all these songs that, that uh, pop up for different reasons. So Poseidon's Naval was one of those really old ones. And I actually had recorded it in college on this little four-track tape where I had all this kind of backwards-sounding stuff. And I remember I played it for Jack, and he really liked it. And he said, oh, you ought to, do, you ought to put Poseidon's Naval on your album. That'd be a lot of fun. And I hadn't really even considered it a song, but then as I started to kind of go through the songs for the album, well, I realized that they all kind of encompassed a 10-year period. There was kind of the period from when I... I met my wife, Jessica, and I finished college, and then we moved up to the Bay Area, and we had a baby, and then we moved back to Santa Barbara. The interesting thing is, so I wrote Poseidon's Naval in this one spot where I just kind of had this amazing day, and we were wrapped ourselves in seaweed, and we were running around the beach and having a great time, and, and we ended up moving to almost the exact same spot where that song was written about 10 years later. And so I kind of started kind of seeing Poseidon's Naval as almost the beginning to a voyage that started kind of, you know, involving me starting a family and moving away and coming back. And then I kind of saw Lizard's Bridge as almost the coming home because uh, Lizard's Bridge is like a, we have a little bridge by our house and we call it Lizard's Bridge because there's always lizards on it. But I kind of looked at those two as like the beginning and the end of the journey, even though they don't start and end the album. But uh, in my mind, that's why I included them. Wow, very interesting. I was hoping you could tell us you produced this album along with Robert Carranza. Tell us about him. Robert is a, a great, wise man. I love Robert. I've worked with him a lot, Jude Jack and ALO. You know, for me doing a solo album, was, I always had a lot of, uh, you know, the reason I hadn't done it before was just, you know, a lot of like lack of confidence or just the timing wasn't quite right. So I had a little bit of uh, nervousness, like, well, you know, if I do a solo album, what would it be like? You know, how will this go? And, Robert was such a great part of that process for me. You know, he was so gentle in it. I'm a guy who's got a lot of ideas, and I'll definitely go on record saying that not all of them are great. (laughs) (laughs) And Robert was a a good guy to sort of let me just try out anything I wanted to try out and make me feel like I wasn't being judged or, you know, he's a real gentle, wonderful guy and brings so much experience to the table. I mean, he's just worked with so many different musicians and, I I can't really say enough good things about him. He's a great guy. Our special guest is Zach Gill. He's here talking about his album, Zach Gill's Stuff, which is available on Brushfire Records. I was hoping you could tell us a little bit about Brushfire Records because we've had a chance to profile and interview so many people on that label, and there's a common thread I've noticed that runs through all of the artists on that label, and that is good vibrations. Certainly the good vibes, right? (laughs) So tell us about the label, because it doesn't follow the traditional theme that most people think of when they think of a record label. It seems to be focused on art. Yeah, certainly. You know, I think it's uh, it's focused on art and it's focused on friendship. You know, I mean, I think I always think about when Jack first decided to go the route of starting his own label. He thought, you know, what if, you know, what if we just put out our own records and then, you know, we could put out our friends' records. And I think that, uh, you know, that kind of was the initial vision. And there wasn't like a big emphasis on, you know, what if we, you know, signed, you know, these artists and made millions of dollars. It was always kind of an art friendship first, you know. 
And uh, as it's grown, it's kind of continued to have that as its as its base. You know, I, I think, and I don't know how it is at other labels because uh, Brett Fire is my only context. But Brett Fire is more like like a fun clubhouse. You know, and it's sort of like when everybody's uh, sometimes you know everybody's around, or at least lots of members from the different bands, and it's always a good time, and everybody likes to hang out with each other and gets along. It's a lot of fun. You know, you have a number of accomplishments to your name. You have your solo album. You're a part of the Jack Johnson band and ALO. You get to play in front of all these masses of people who love what it is that you do. So my question is, what dream is on the horizon for you? That's a good question. Well, I want to have more children. I want to feel healthier physically. I want to do more exercise, more stretching. I want to kind of make, you know, my solo project and my... ALO stuff, I want that to all be, I want to grow those a little bit bigger than they are. I'll tell you, I kind of just want to continue doing it all. At some point, I'd like to work on movies, but I'm just kind of living my dream, I guess. <laughs> you know, it's like sometimes I, it can stress me out, you know. It's like I, I sometimes feel like, you know, am I watering down the other things by doing too many other things? And I can get overwhelmed by that, but but uh, then when I kind of zoom out, it just all kind of fits together in this beautiful tapestry. And, you know, my, my goal for all of it is sustainability. Keep all, all those things in balance, you know, from family, art. Sometimes like, I can have the uh, fear that, oh, you know, you know, there's always like, the, oh, if you've got a family, you know, you can't give enough to your art, you know. But I want to be able to give enough to all of those things. And I think that, I, you know, I just got to dig as deep as I can into myself and my family and just keep the whole thing going you know as long as it doesn't tear you apart then it's you're, you're you're keeping it all together right that's right nothing can tear you apart if you keep living straight from the heart oh wow i like that i got two final questions before we part what is your all-time favorite meal well i'll tell you uh, the last few days i've been cooking and i'm not much of a cook but i've been i've been doing it kind of almost every day i've finding a recipe and cooking it. The other day I cooked something called Russian macaroni and cheese, which was a, kind of like a casserole dish with a cabbage and mushrooms and carrots and sunflower seeds. And it was really good. And I was really proud of it. Right now, that's my favorite dish. But I really do like orange-flavored chicken as well. I have a weak spot for that. But I haven't figured out how to make that. My last question before we go. This broadcast okay. is going out all over the world. So what would you, Zach Gill, like to say to all the people that are listening in? Thank you. I appreciate everyone's support. All right. Very good. Zach, as always, it's a pleasure. The pleasure was all mine. Thank you.